I was loud. Yeah, I, have a, I think I'm, I have I'm ear tenderness now. I'm known for a loud yeah. clap. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying my beverage of choice. Yes, I will be joining you, but for now, I'm <laughs> drinking Yogi um, Breathe Deep Tea because I have a little bit of a sinusy thing going on. Mm-hmm. I'm falling mm-hmm. apart. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I'm healing from my bike accident. I was going to say, so so you told me, I saw, I saw the Band-Aid, but then you said, you did you break a rib, crack yeah. a rib? Uh, two, two mm-hmm. ribs. Um, so, yeah, I told you, like, I, I went off, I went off the trail split in two, and it was grass, and the grass was covering up that there was a, like, a five-inch freaking uh, cement you know, part of the sidewalk and my front tire hit and I landed on, uh, I landed somehow on the handlebars. Like I started and I broke just in time and I landed on the handlebar, crushed the handlebar in, uh, smacked my head and hit my wrist, um, tore up a ligament. Um, and then I got back on the bike and rode for two more miles after I shook it off. Like a champ. Like an idiot. <laughs> and then, uh, realized okay i'm not feeling so great and this is kind of messed up and then on the way back i totally flattened the, the front tire and uh but i was like you know 20 yards from my car by that time but yeah so that's uh what i went through so how does that work how because i'm not a <clears throat> i'm not a biologist that seems to be the uh hot phrase of the uh of our time now anyway <laughs> How do, how do your ribs repair? Like, if you break them, do you just yeah. let them be? They just well, repair on their uh, own? They taped them up for me. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, my beautiful therapist friend did, did my uh, number here. Um, but, yeah, there's there's not much you can do with ribs. You can tape them up. And, but, fortunately, I didn't break anything else. Dang. But I got to watch... The film that we're doing again, Sicario. Okay, okay, there you, you know, go. Something good came lead out. In. Yeah, yeah. So, do you want to lead in, or you? Yeah, let's get to it. Okay. Uh, you know what? What I want. One of the things I want to do is is kind of remind the audience. So we're the film dicks, and um, I came up with the name in part because uh, you know, obvious of what we're doing uh, in in. Uh, Writing in general, you want a hook. So it's partly a hook. We're being facetious about being film decks, but we're also being like private detectives um, where we're ripping apart, analyzing the material. Um, and that's thus the name. To be facetious, uh, all, at times we're going we're gonna to get into it mm-hmm. and be dicks. But yeah. in general, it's, it's just investigating and, and talking about what we're doing. And exactly. we're huge... Noir fans. Well, you're becoming a huge noir um, fan. Yeah, I'm getting there. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm on my journey. Yes, you are. <laughs> so do you want, why don't you start with just a quick synopsis of Sicario? Yeah, okay. So Sicario, basically, the main gist of it deals with these government agents that have to put an end to the Mexican cartel. Trying to. Attempting. There we go. The ongoing. And that, that's the cool part about it, because... 
I always enjoy watching a movie that deals with like real life situations because for a moment you're like, oh, wow, this was a movie. I thought I was like watching the news or something. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, this no, shit is like real shit. Like it is happening. On the side of the U.S. government, I don't, I can't speculate how much of that, the right. thing that they did in yeah. the movie actually happens in real life. We don't know. There's a lot of shady shit happening, but but in general, that cartel thing, the war with the cartel and human trafficking and, and drugs is it's a real yeah. and thing, it, and it's, yeah. And it feels real. And it, so that's yes. a that's a shout out to Taylor Sheridan, the, the writer, the, how right. well yeah. they researched and obviously spent time with different agencies, mm-hmm. um, but uh, did their job in research and kind of, you know, knowing what's happening with the cartel and down at the border and uh, the back and forth between the, the U.S. and and the drug yeah, cartels. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually interesting that you brought that up. I, and I may, I'm either making this up, but I, I, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I read... Go ahead and make it up. I, I know. I know. Um, it was Taylor, right? Not Tyler. Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Um, did he not have a, a law background? Like a... Was he not a, an officer or something? I feel like I read that. Like he... I, I don't know. I feel like I read he had some sort of background in... Yeah, we should have researched that, that more. I didn't. Because um, I, I looked him up. So I looked up who like the... Yeah, I didn't. Screenwriter was. I didn't do my job. Um, and I either, I guess I'm assuming I read it or something about it, but yeah, either, either way, whether or not he has a background in this before he became a screenwriter or they just did really good research, uh, before writing the screenplay, it was, um, yeah, it felt really real. Top notch. Gritty. Cool. Um, definitely agree with that. Yeah. I like the grit to it. Which shout out. And I didn't know that until we watched the movie. And I looked up the people involved with it. Uh, this was directed by Denis. Sorry, I'm going to pronounce your name wrong, sir. But it's like Denis Villeneuve. There we go. There we go. The uh, uh, Dune director. Most yeah. recent Dune director. Yes. And I totally saw the um, his uh, kind of style, style popping, sure. yeah, shining his, through. His uh, cinematography is somewhat similar. Um his shot selection for sure. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Top, top notch. Again, top notch. Um, good, but give a quick synopsis of the storyline. All right. So we focus with this main kind of, um, agent, uh, played by Emily Blunt, uh, who gets recruited for this kind of, um, top secret. Well, it is kind of, it it's is like secret, special ops, a special ops squad to deal with, uh, the Mexican cartel. And that's headed up by Josh Brolin's character and Benicio del Toro's character. And I gotta say, Benicio, like, I feel like the story was around him, yeah, in a way that it wasn't. But that's because of his performance, his like presence, uh, and character's arc. Yeah, uh, his, which for sure. we definitely have to talk about that. His character arc, etc. So Emily's uh, an FBI agent. Yes, she starts off as an FBI agent, and she gets uh, called in. Mm-hmm. To become a part of the special ops, which is with the CIA. Yes. And so Bro- Brolin, James Brolin is Well, we don't know that at CIA. First. Well, we don't know it at first. They kind of insinuate she doesn't know who's involved with it. And... Right. But it, we, we find out as, as the story continues. Yeah. Um, 
And it opens with the opening of the film is mm. really cool. We do like a series of news um, reports, and then it's her making a, a bust, uh, assumably yep. a bust, um, and then lots of bodies are found. We're not going to say exactly how because I don't want to ruin that scene, but it's an incredible kind of opening to draw us in mm-hmm. and they find way more bodies than they expected. There's like these, it's obviously a cartel it's set up in the U S and has killed a lot of people. Um, and I'm, well, I'll just say a bomb goes off while there and it's injures other agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this starts her kind of getting called into for the, the special ops. And then the story proceeds into uh, trying to bring down a, a, a section of the cartel. Yeah, they're going. They're basically their plan is to bait out like a middleman boss to get to like yeah to the get top to guy. guy. Which we're also one of the things we're going to do on this show is we're going to discuss film in detail, but we're also going to keep stuff back, and we're going to tell you that we're keeping stuff. And one of the things that I think we should keep back is not telling exactly what happens in the end I, and i don't think we're gonna lose anything by going through any of the characters etc no yeah but we can get up to that point but we will not ruin that for the uh, audience okay which i think is one of the cool things about our show we're gonna keep those little you know i i guess uh i don't know they're highlights to the film they're really uh important surprises mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't want to ruin them I think it's one of the most important things in writing, so I don't want to dare do that to the audience, like ruin some of these things. Um, let's, uh, this is how I wanted to start this off, is this is one of my uh, favorite kind of go-to films that, I, that like, if you're flipping through channels, not, not that anybody does that anymore, but, right. but flipping through streaming services. I still do, I still do, like, I still, like, have Hulu or something, and, you know, if you're bored... And you just turn on to see what's on. This is one of those films, um, similar to like Shawshank Redemption, that they play over and over again. FX often has it playing. And every single time I see it on, I'll watch it and I'll stay and watch the whole thing. Um, I own the film, so I don't have to do that. But I'm just saying it's it's one of those films. Mm-hmm. That's how much I love this. And I wanted to see if you felt like the same way. That Yeah. No. Um, so this was... Basically, if you take You Were Never Really Here, the movie we talked about a couple podcasts back, and you kind of bump it up to that larger scale that I was talking about. How so? In terms of uh, not really locations, because it does only take place in like two or three cities, right. if you will, like right across the Mexican border. Juarez. Juarez. And, yeah. Um, but it just feels like the stakes are bigger and there's more players involved. Um, so just the world felt bigger. Yeah, it is way bigger. But I was trying to understand what's your comparison to... Um, you were never really here. I don't know. I just get the whole concept of um, supposedly this like government agents going against... Oh, something going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I got you. The typical yeah. okay. setup. wherever thing. you're going with that, I'm not sure, but... Well, but I kind of I kind of get what you're saying. But so I've seen this film like shit. I don't know, fifteen times, and I, I'm 
one of the reasons that we decided to do this is because had you seen it before? I, have, I had I had heard of it, okay, but so I had never seen it. That's cool. And so what I want to say is Sicario is sick. <clears throat> it's it's such a cool. Um, supr- many surprises happen as the mm-hmm. show's unfolding. Things you're not ex- expecting, um, not in a cliched way or ooh, we're trying to like oh here this happens and then that happens, but just a really well written. Um, and I think that's part of the attraction to it. The other thing is it's a it's like an action adventure, but it still has that drama to the storyline. You know, I'm a story guy. Yeah. Um, and well, because it deals with that real life concept, the, the you know, Mexican cartel and how they deal with people and, you know. Yeah. Well, stuff. the Mexican cartel part is kind of the action aspect. The real life story part I'm talking about, you, you have brought up Benicio Del Toro and his background which we're going to talk some about, but also Emily Blunt. So the protagonist of this would be Emily Blunt, who's the FBI agent who's asked to be part of this special ops um, operation. So you loved it. Yeah. What would you rate this? One out of ten. Oh, man, I thought we weren't doing ratings. No, we're doing it. God damn it. Because we're going to go from it. You caved. One out of ten, what would you rate? Because I'm going to move fast into the next discussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm torn between an eight and a nine. I'm nine all the way. Oh, that, That's really that cool. 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 You're torn between an eight and nine. So you saw Ray like hesitating, and I'm imagining what was going through your head was <laughs> you're breaking down all the parts uh, that make a film great. So with that, tell me what makes it an eight or a nine and not a ten, because we both love the film. What it, what was your what 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 do you think was a weakness in this film if there was one? Um, shit. I think that's actually good. Give me a second. How about you go yeah. first? I'm gonna maul well, on that. Okay, uh, but, but was, I don't want to ruin it because I know, like, I know it bugs me. Okay, so I'll start talking about some of the great shit. One of the most incredible things, <clears throat> and you had mentioned about the director. Um, if if you're a fan of this film or you watch this film and watch all this stuff. His um, shot selection, mm-hmm. the way he unfolds the story, um, is incredible. It's impeccable. I'm, I'm. That's why I said I've watched it 15 times. I'll, I'll just keep watching it, and I own it because I love it that much. Um, it's impeccable. It's close to a fucking 10. That's how good he is at uh, moving from one scene to another. Again, the shot selection and uh, the cinematography, etc. And I'll just bring this up. I loved how uh, the one section, two two choices that that weren't overused. They were only used once in the film, and that was when we went to night vision. So one of oh, the things that was that, cool. I love that. exactly right, and that keeps our. That's part of you know decision making and filmmaking, and for him to to understand that. You know, this is going to keep the audience's attention. It's this little fresh thing, but it also made us feel as if we are with these ops moving through. Mm -hmm. So what happened in this scene, we're going through this pretty involved story. Um, You know, an FBI agent who we'll talk about who is not definitely on board, who has suspicions about, you know, what is this special ops group? Um, Are we following things by the book? Yes. Um, And then... They get to this point where 
they find a tunnel or they know that there's a tunnel and how they find that there's a tunnel too is really cool. That's mm -hmm. part of the story, but they find that there's this tunnel and they go in and they tell the audience and they tell the FBI agent, we're going here to make as much noise as we possibly can to stir up trouble so that maybe someone, um, there'll be switching hands, uh, as the, it will cause problems with the cartel, et cetera. And it might expose someone that we're not familiar with which really isn't exactly what they're doing, which we'll, we'll talk about that. But so they find this uh, underground little tunnel um, between the U.S. and mm -hmm. into Mexico, and they put their night gear on, their, their night vision goggles, and they all switch on that, and boom, for the audience, we switch to that. It's, it was a thermal, it was some kind of thermal vision film, mm -hmm. Uh, that they use for that. Yeah, it's like legit, like yeah, gear that they use. So, to film so the awesome. audience feels like we're part of this mm -hmm. special ops, and you're seeing everything in a thermal um, vision as they're going through these tunnels, which was super freaking cool. Um, the other part that I'm going to say, you know, as far as directing and the decision making was when Emily Blunt, the FBI agent, um, she's she's getting choked. Uh, oh, yes. So she gets fooled, which we'll discuss that whole scene. Yes. She has another agent with her, an FBI agent with her that she trusts. And they both voice with each other their concern about the special ops and just exactly what is this operation really for. Um, but at one point, her FBI agent, Buddy, um, introduces her to a friend who's a cop. And she winds up hitting it off with the cop. They go back to her place, um, and he winds up being paid by the cartel and mm -hmm. being a member of the cartel. And she recognizes that he did with a wonderful thread that they little, use with the band. bracelets. So yes. in an earlier scene, they find out um, that uh, this uh, person involved with the cartel is cashing, is taking cash and... Um, Laundering it, laundering it through a U.S. Through bank. bank by only putting a certain amount in, yeah. and the the money is rolled up in these um, kind of wristbands that are like uh, those like uh, rubber bands, like the uh, Armstrong bands. Armstrong band, yeah, but they're yeah. like colored rainbow, yeah. like blue tie dye uh, stuff, blue and uh, tie dye purple and so, etc. And so they're making out. You know, it's the cop, and her FBI says he's a good dude, and she's making out on the couch. They're getting ready to have sex. And he puts his keys on the table, and they're in one of those tie-dyes. So she knows, shit, this dude's got... So she's like, hold on a second, and kind of smoothly. And then he recognizes that she has figured out uh, something. He doesn't necessarily... I don't know if he made it. I think he does look at her. They, they, they take the camera, and then they show his point of view, and they do a, like a, a, a I think close-up yeah. of the uh, actual like wristband that his keys are on. And then... He, that scene is incredible too. So he's, you see in that, uh, character, his, he doesn't really want to kill her, mm -hmm. but he knows that she he knows now. So he kind of, and he's like in this thing and he, it's like this kind of blame thing and he starts choking her out and it's a horrible scene. She almost, you know, she's skilled. She gets her gun in time, but then he gets her and drops it and then he starts choking her and then it fades. So the actual scene um, becomes blurred, and then in the shot you see uh, 
an ugly face appear and then it slowly becomes uh, visible. It's no longer blurred and it's none other than Benicio Del Toro <laughs> who has been working with her now and knows that he's got to watch everything that's going on. Nothing gets past this guy. And yeah. so you know that he's like, okay, this guy has got to be some kind of special, incredible, you know, special forces slash CIA dude. And so his head comes into what she's staring up at. Um, and then he knocks mm-hmm. the shit out of the guy um, and gets her. But that decision well, too to blur it and then have him come in there again yeah. was another, I oh. think, you know, I mean, it's something, cinematic choice, but right. brilliance of the direction and the time put in this film. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's a technique I've seen done elsewhere. So it's not like this, um, right? It's right. not ingenuity thing. Right. But it's like, like you said, it's well implemented and it fits. It fits with the context of the scene, and they don't overdo it. And again, you're entertaining the audience by your choice and how you're going to shoot this. Love that kind of shit. So bringing that up, we've obviously told the audience that that um, Emily Blunt, the FBI agent, is having a she's questioning exactly the the motive and are these methods legal that that we're doing. Um, So I'll bring it back to you. Have you figured out why? This is an eight or a nine for you, and not a ten. Not yet. <laughs> okay. okay, so I'll tell you. I'm just gonna say what bugged me. Oh, go for it. Go for it. I got irritated as fuck, and I I started to waver about this because mm-hmm. I've watched it so many times. But I started to waver about my, you know, I'm hyper. We're film dicks. I am hyper critical of film, and that's my job, and that's part of part of what I do and teach, etc. So I'm, I'm beginning to waver between, is this realistic for this character to question as much as she's questioning about the situation and how they're trying to take down the cartel? That's what bugs me. I think it's mm. beyond, I think the character and what she goes through would definitely make the decision that we got to do it this way. We got to kind of break the rules mm-hmm. to get our, okay. to get our man or to make a difference in what's happening. So, and I can back that up with evidence, why it bugs me, but go ahead. What okay. say? Uh, well, before we get to the evidence, I'm going to say, I agree with that point. I do feel like they, if not for the entirety of the movie, she was on that teetering point and there never was a confrontation of, discussion between like let's say her or Benicio or Josh Brolin's character and them saying this is why we do this the way we have to um and it was just her kind of always just breaking down based off not only um questioning everything that's going on and the way they do their things question it toward an irritating and also fucking up the operation itself not listening to these guys at Clarion but I, I would take I take umbrage with you saying that it never happens. They, several times they let her know, we're doing this in a different way. Right. And so that's why it's hard for me to accept, okay, you agreed to join this task force. And from the very beginning, her boss says, I'm going to read because I wrote it down because it, <laughs> it was bugging me okay, that much. Okay, okay. Her boss calls her in and says, look, um, things have changed. They even ask her. Do you feel like you're making a difference? That happens a couple times. Oh, yes. Do you yes. feel like what you're doing 
Yes. And the, the operations that you're doing are making a cut. No, the violence is, is yeah. escalating to yeah. this incredible degree. So she keeps getting faced with these situations. And her boss, um, I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, he basically tells her the rules have changed. And, and he, he specifically says, this is going to appear and it might feel... But believe me, trust me, mm-hmm. that the powers that be know what's taking place, and they have made the decision right. yes. to let this change. Yes. So she agrees to be on it. She sees, she admits that things aren't being changed, and that she's still questioning all this shit as it goes along. And that just it drives me batty. And I'll say, it's about five times in the fucking film that there's situations that would make this character understand that the rules have changed. Yeah. The very fact that some a cop has been hired by the cartel, and she would have died. He would have fucking killed her if there wasn't that special ops. There's a reason in itself. Okay, they're not following the rules. So and her boss tells her the rules have changed. Um, he t- uh, Brolin tells him when the, there's this wonderful scene where the, there's all the um, there's the border crossers, the people trying to you know cross the border, etc. They're all caught at the border, and they have these like five different groups that the border patrol has caught, and they're getting ready to process. And they go around because they know that there's a tunnel somewhere, so they start asking questions. Really cool. And the FBI agents, they are kind of left in the dark, so I get this part. But they ask, and Brolin says, "Look, here's what we're doing, and we're going to go create enough noise to stop this." So he explains it. And then when we have the scene where they're making the bust at the bank with the person trying to launder the money and keep it like just under, he says, don't go in the bank. Don't go in the bank. Oh, and she goes to the bank. He goes, she's going to the bank. And it gets to the point where, so I started questioning, is this a technique to kind of increase the tension and get me as an audience member pissed that like, what the fuck is wrong with you? FBI, Emily Blake. Yeah. You know the rules have changed. You see the death that's taking place that it's enacted towards you. Your bosses that told you you changed this. You agreed to go on this process. Um, another scene is, and what's one of my favorite scenes in the film, is when they they cross the border to get a member of the cartel and bring him back, mm-hmm. extraditing to the U.S., and they know that there's groups all over that are going to try to stop them. So they're stuck on in the line to get back in the border, and they start – these capable special ops dudes start identifying possible um, targets that are going to try to kill them as they're, they're bringing it. Right. Incredible moment of tension. And they tell her, get out of the car. She stays in the fucking car. And the dude tries to shoot her like that is dressed up like one of the uh, like federales in the, in the Mexican, uh, in the Mexican government, yeah, Mexican but he's dressed yeah. up yeah. and she winds up killing him. But he took a shot at her. Second time, like this is the first time that her life is threatened itself. Well, actually the very first in the opening. But once again, it just seems unrealistic to me to a certain degree, to a certain degree, because the film is so well done in every other aspect. And Emily Blunt's acting is fucking phenomenal. All the, yeah. I think, I think the acting, oh, the entire cast. I think the acting is a 10 out of a 10. Yeah. I don't think you can argue anything. It's not yeah. Emily's Blunt's, you know, issue that the writing is this way. So I was wondering... Like, if you bought that all the way through or it started to bug you. No, it did start to bug me. It did. Um, and you're right. And then at some point, I was actually questioning it, whether or not it was 
like what you what we've been discussing this whole time about her questioning the methods and everything about that she's a part of, or is it also the, all the violence that she's experiencing and watching all these people die and having to kill people? Uh, <clears throat> so I was like, okay, so are you are you are you freaking out having them break down over the all the violence, or are you the questioning of like you know the yeah. CIA guys? So like, what's going on? But I, I do feel like it should have kind of <laughs> well had an end point. I don't some time. completely agree with what you said, and I'm gonna like argue, and this is part of the fun. I don't agree in that most of the violence that occurs, some of it occurs to her, right? But not if innocents are dying, it's not what the special ops people are doing. They're not killing innocent people. They're there. Anybody that gets killed is involved with this cartel situation. So she doesn't actually see, right? She doesn't see them do anything that's violence. That's, that's, you know what I mean? That would cause her to be like, wait, that's unlawful. You just killed somebody for, for no reason. They killed people that yeah. were trying to kill them. They're extraditing, which is legal, a dude, and then they, these people come out and they're they're going to shoot them and they just take them out. That's like being equipped at what you do. It is fighting the battle. So it's not that that bugs me. It bugs me that, well, I think that's like an incorrect argument. The, the way to argue this correctly is that this character has been told we're not following the rules. They're not following the rules. She sees the death and destruction, but it's not by her people. It's by the cartel that this is that this is taking place. So that th- doesn't settle me as a good argument. But you did bring up something. I think a way that that could have, and again, and this is this is to teach people. You know, what I mean, this is the teacher me. But it's also in search of perfection ourselves. You know, in, in sets and the things that we worked on that we we shoot for perfection. Yeah. And the, the, what I was thinking that probably could have like help save that irritation unless the irritation is meant to be like, maybe it's we're we're supposed to feel God, why does she keep questioning us? But I just think it becomes unbelievable at that point. What would have helped me is just a, like a quick shot of her thinking about even a flashback, but I don't want to get, and, and that could get really corny, but either of, I was thinking a flashback to her past and how, she was brought up to follow the rule of law mm-hmm. might have helped, but that, that could go, you know I mean? That could be too pushing yeah. it, but yeah. at least just like thinking through and maybe even like, uh, revisiting just a few of the things that, that she went through. But I just, I just don't buy it. Well, now that you say that, it makes me think, I think all of that was supposed to lead to the payoff at the, towards the end, at the end of the film, the final scene, I believe, that she has with Benicio. Yes. All of that tension and, like, questioning of everything and then her starting to kind of have trust in him. Yes. Kind of all comes yeah, great full point. circle in that scene. And I, this is what I think. I think they may have been married. They really wanted that scene between the two main characters. Because I would say the two main characters are definitely Benicio, which you brought up, <clears throat> and Emily Blunt, the FBI agent. Um, Benicio Del Toro is kind of a mystery Throughout this whole scene, we're not going to blow it. It's really cool why it's a mystery. He's more than just a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. He's got more in the ball game than just being a CIA mm-hmm. agent and a reason to want uh, revenge. Um, but he's super skilled. But they wanted to have those two characters meet at the end. Um, and she uh, almost, like, she had to decide does she want to kill him? 
and we'll just leave it at that. But I think maybe they were married to that, that they kept this tension between mm-hmm. them, but do it in a more realistic way, yeah. you know, yeah. like maybe even have them keep more, more, um, parts of what's happening to themselves. One of the aspects that does help that that's, that's my only issue with this film. That's it. <laughs> that's the only thing I think the acting is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I don't think anybody fucks up anything in this film. Like it's just perfect. It's acting perfection. It's, uh, the shot selection, the choices, um, we went through some of them, again, is perfection. That was the only thing, and I'm hyper, you know, vigilant and uh, overcritical of, of stories, but that's that's my gig, mm-hmm. you know, story and writing has yeah. to be top-notch. Um, well, here's a fun fact, and I, uh, maybe you knew this already or not, but the reason why Benicio's character is so intriguing and it keeps you um, engaged with him throughout the movie is because he and Denny, how is his last name? Oh, you're, you're villain, the villain, the villain, it's, yeah, I, I can't pronounce it. Sorry. I'm not French. Um, he, Benicio himself had the idea of cutting like his lines down to the point where the two of them, they cut like 90% of his actual speaking lines in the movie. So it became all about, um, the few lines that he had to speak, but it was all about kind of his presence, his screen presence yeah. and all the mannerisms and stuff. And um, Benicio is the shit. Yeah, it was just it was awesome. And he does that in in a lot of his roles. Like so much, so much of his roles, it's not about like what he's speaking or what he's saying. It's what he's showing, yeah. you know, in his face. But that's another reason I love this film. This is this is a going to sound probably incorrect but it's a it's a man's these are fucking men in this film james berlin uh benicio i'm triggered i'm triggered they're two of my favorite fucking leading dudes um and they're just perfect in their parts but yeah to your point uh benicio del toro very few lines and that's part of this character you see that this guy is a is a uh i don't want to say demented but um a troubled um, he, yeah, he's, um, a, he's a character that's struggling with shit, but has control of it. At no time do you see this guy not in control, which is so fucking cool. Same thing with James Brolin. I just love it. Um, and we need more of that. We need more of these fucking tough ass men. We sort of lost it in film, but this sort film of. definitely is bringing it back. No, it still exists here and there. It's just not, it's just not enough for us. Yeah. Um, I'm expressing my uh, love of men and men in film. So there you go. You can't accuse me of uh, maybe you can. Who cares? But the, getting back to the point, one of the coolest things is Brolin, uh, not Brolin, but uh, Benicio de Torres slowly, you know, his character slowly unfolds in this film where Emily Blunt is like right off the bat, you know, she has questions and she's like somewhat tightly wound, but she's like rule of law. Defeat the bad guys. Um, Benicio Del Toro's character slowly unfolds where you're like, who is this guy? Is, are we sure that he's for the, right, the right. U.S. side or what side? Um, but Well, they tell you. They tell you to yeah, find out. <laughs> yeah, and in the airplane, when they get on this private jet, which is mm. another thing where she's like, whoa, I'm not used to like being flown around this stuff. He jumps up. Like, she's watching. She's observing these guys. And James Brolin's like, 
lackadaisical character. I mean, if, if he doesn't play the perfect like veteran, you know, the guy that's seen action and is comfortable with who he is and can handle like killing, etc. I don't know who he is, but he's got his shoes off and he's laying back and he's sleeping. And Benicio's sitting and also observing, but then he drifts off and then he jumps awake and she sees, and that's like where you see that this guy is, you know, he's got some kind of past that he's dealing with. And um, that was another thing. One of my favorite parts of, parts of the film was every time we see James Rowland, he's yeah. fucking laid back. He's, just he's in f- control, but he's like cocky. He's, he's an like, asshole and a cocky. He is yeah. like, she yeah. opens the door. They come late to, um, you know, getting ready for this op to go into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And so the two FBI agents come in late and James Rowland answers the door without a shirt on. Uh, in sandals. The very first time we see him, he's in he's sandals. sandals. Yeah, he's like um, always almost in sandals. By the way, writers and, and film folk out there, you want to like quickly show who a character is, show us their shoes. What kind of shoes they wear. Mm. It tells so much about character. It, it really does. Um, but he's he's just a man's man, and he's comfortable with where he is. And that scene, too, when they go in there, they got a bunch of... Uh, Afghani uh, vets, veterans from the Afghan war and uh, Iraq and Afghan. And they're all like these dudes are watching TV and like, uh, I don't know if they were drinking beer, but they were drinking beer and they're just sitting around and she comes in. And that, that's one of the parts that, that she, uh, Emily Blunt's acting is incredible. So I'm not c- criticizing her about that. It, it's a writing character issue, not the, the actor. Yeah, no, no, no. I and what it. I loved is she showed like her discomfort, but also her ability to handle like that. She's always thrown in what's considered a man's world. And yet she's fully capable, which is not, I mean, we see her kill people like in the very first scene, she yeah. kills to, to, uh, she gets shot, at, takes out a dude. Um, what we, we mentioned the part on the highway. And by the way, I didn't do a good job. That was one of my favorite scenes. They're bringing a guy cartel member back in. And so you're at the border, uh, and the lines, the, Traffic is backed up like yeah. twenty lanes of, of traffic, fucking and you got and there the way he cuts it again the filming you, you're from the interior of the car looking out and then they're looking in all directions and then you see cars where there's uh, tatted up gang members and like suspicious vehicles etc and so they keep switching and back and forth and then they're also the agents are talking back and forth. And that was another example, again, where she should have, like, they've got this in control. They know what they're doing. So she should, like, listen maybe a little bit more, but she keeps questioning yeah. it. But I love that her character was in what was considered a man's world, and she all and she showed her discomfort. She didn't necessarily appreciate the way she was always treated, but she she was tough, and, and she could handle it. And she, you know, she did her job. She, she had her shit together. Um, yeah. So that's that's another aspect that I love is James Brolin's character and uh, also um, I don't know if that was your, a, a favorite scene of yours, but that interrogation scene when they finally do bring the dude back. I, I wasn't. I didn't think it was that great, but go. I mean, it was it was solid. Everything. About I don't think it was supposed solid. to be like. What what what, what, what did you un- love? About uncomfortable. It? What was it yeah. that you love? I just didn't like it as many as as I liked other scenes. Um. No, I think it, its focus was definitely <laughs> more about. Again, revealing who Benicio is, his character. Mm-hmm. Good point, because they allow, they let him basically do the interrogation. And I did like how he sat, the guy's in a chair, 
tied down in the chair, and he's he basically walks up and sticks his cock in his face like he doesn't pull it out or anything. But he's like he's got his his uh, zipper right at the guy's face, and he's like, and you see the anger coming through in him. Um, and Bruin's sitting there on the wow. sidelines, swinging his feet. You know, he's sitting on the table. Yeah. <laughs> it's just if, if you love. Films where men are men, or <laughs> you know, uh, veterans are being vets, or military dudes. Yeah. Like this is, it's this it's got appreciative it. of, yeah, of like service members and people that do this in real life, and it doesn't take it to like the fantastical level. You know what I mean? Like where other right movies would absolutely, and, that, and that's what it makes it so grounded and, and real. And that's why some scenes are. Uncomfortable. Um, actually, I don't know if I. I wanted to wait to tell the story, but I. Since we're, we've kind of been jumping sure. around the film, I don't really know. I'll what, eat some what M&Ms. Going. She wants some M and M's. I'm so intrigued <laughs> about. Um, the reason why it also. I like it. Aside from all this, you know, the stuff that we talk about, is that when I was still working back in. At a, at a Staples a couple years back in the copy center. I had a You were a special ops dude? I was. And you and you went and got a cartel dude? God damn it. No. Well, well, you just gave up your cover. If I don't text you tomorrow. Well, now you're going to die. Yeah, I know. I did have um, a very... Wow. It's weird. It's It's so surreal. It's weird. I had this Mexican family come up with a huge fucking just stack of papers that they were asking to get copied. And I don't remember if I initiated the conversation about what they were or if they did. Um, but they were like fresh up seeking refuge uh, in America because of the cartel down in Mexico. Uh, and at some point they said a family member cousin a brother of one of the parents i think had gone missing god i know it's um and i was just like again i was just like i couldn't fucking believe what i was hearing and then i was like to jump real quick to the end of the story i did that job for free even though we should have charged him for but i was like i felt so bad about the whole fucking thing so i was just like i'm gonna do this for free that sounds like you um and then i started going through the fucking documents and like coming across, like I didn't know what was in there, and just like coming across pictures of dismembered fucking bodies. Oh, and you shit. actually, you yeah. really saw that? They shit? they had that, yes. So it was family members. I don't know if it was family members documenting or, this or what. Somebody, it was something. It was it was photo evidence, maybe from articles written down there or from somebody had taken those pictures. There's proof um, for something. Wow. But it was, yeah, it was well, fucking weird, man. Um, that is. And I felt so bad, and it was, yeah. So watching this then, I was like, they really did struck the, especially with that open scene, opening scene with yeah. the bodies, real close to what it actually Well, it's another reason I love this film, because this, like, this is a, another instance, and I'm not, like, you know me, and we're pretty much the same in this. I fucking hate politically correct bullshit. And I hate being shoved down our throats. 
how we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. But this is a case of, of Hollywood in this situation doing right, like exposing the public to how fucked up shit is yep. um, in Mexico and what the Mexican citizens are dealing with on a regular basis. It's a fucking war inside and, and it's like, where do they go to for help? And this, this definitely, this film without a doubt shows the horror and the light parts. Um, they're exposing, it's like reminding an American audience or the world, this is, this is taking place in Mexico, this horrific horror. We, not we, but there's uh, these entities that have taken control and so many people are suffering in the process. And one of the things story-wise that I definitely wanted to bring up was I loved, and this is the unfolding of the film as well, again, well-written, well-directed, how we move back and forth between here's the special ops, here's Emily Blunt as an FBI agent, and here's a Mexican family yeah. and what they have to go through. And so they perfectly yeah. align this they juxtapose, you know, here's the FBI situation, these very tense moments in, in Emily's story, the, her character's story, and, and her trying yeah. to f- figure out if it's right or wrong. And then, bam, huh, how about this? How about yeah. if you lived in Mexico and you were a family that's just trying to get by and yeah. also somebody that gets pulled into the cartel? Uh, I love those shots where... Uh, so we have a, a member who's being paid by the cartel. He's a cop. And that story slowly unfolds. But they show him at his house. And his son always wants him to play soccer yeah. or do something. And he comes in and he's like, Papa, Papa. And he brings him eggs. And he's like, and, the, and it's such a cool writing and moment. Like his dad says, um, jalapenos, there better be jalapenos in there. And he's like, of course, you know. And like they're having this thing. And, and you see the wife you see that she knows that like something's up, that this is like not a, a great job and that the possible danger that he's in. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that here's a son, mm-hmm. here's a family and how they move in and out of those two different worlds and the different sides of the border. I with with that aspect at first, I was, a, it was a little jarring. Not that it was not done fluently. I was oh, just like, was I was interested. I was like, oh, why are they showing this all of a sudden? And then, I I mean, it, it all comes to like, it ties in. And then that's when I was like, ah, oh, okay. No, I, I, I kind of put it together know, earlier than that. If, if you had listened to your parents and read a little bit more. I, shut up, man. This would have been a little more obvious to you. It wouldn't be as jarring to you. Oh, okay. Jarring, maybe not the word. But I was no, no like, it's fine. I'm fucking with you. But, um. Yeah, it definitely comes into full circle of how they tie all of that together. And yeah, right. Yeah. And again, showing the horrors in Mexico. The first time where they they cross the border to get the to extradite the cartel guy, not going through the tunnel. This happened before the tunnel. And it's her first kind of real visit into the horrors that are happening. They go into Juarez, and there's bodies hanging upside down. And I had seen. News reports this time watch documentaries of a lot of what is happening, and this was one of the things that horrified me years ago. That that's one of their ways of reminding the people who's in charge, and they literally hang people upside down, naked, um, sometimes body parts removed, 
and we they show it in the film and yeah. she so she's going through and seeing this and we also again incredible shot um incredible writing and incredible decision that they're driving in with these five you know suv black and they're being escorted with uh police and and the federales and then there's this moment where the federales cut off and it's like you're on your own and they start going through and it, and you see as that's unfolding Emily Blunt's character, like, oh, like, this is, like, what's happening now? Who's this? And then they spot, you know, somebody that's spotting them and watching them. And uh, that, that again, it is it is a case of Hollywood or good writing exposing America and the world. Like, hey, this is happening right under our noses. Mm-hmm. Look, here it is. Um, I like that scene. I think also shortly after they come back, Back across the border again, after being in as they come back. One of the vets takes her up onto the roof and gives her binoculars because they could literally see to the other side of Juarez. And immediately the consequence of them taking that dude back across to interrogate him leaves that vacuum. Yeah. Power vacuum. Right. And she literally sees basically right off the bat the warring members have now started. Who's going to be the next? Yeah, that's a great moment. And it's also, this is something that I have to remind myself of when I'm writing um, for films, etc. And that is to keep the audience's attention and to the feel that this is real. You have to have those moments where it's not storyline A, B, C. Here's your opening. Here's what we're putting the characters through. Here's the climax conclusion. You have to have moments where it's just, People living or doing natural things, mm-hmm. which you know characters like Berlin pull up perfectly. But that was a great moment where the where they're just like sitting around and she's smoking a cigarette, and the dude taps her and says, hey, "Hey, come here!" And you don't know what's going to happen. And she goes up there, but that was like a real moment that, that you know what I mean. That mm-hmm. somebody had a right, or they had a uh, you maybe it was improvised, but I doubt it. You know, obviously because they're they're showing the explosions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's just. I have to remind myself, make sure that you write in these little scenes or moments where it's not just about um, propelling the story forward. It's, uh, you know, it can also be given insight to character, but just something that's, that's off the cuff, you know, that would happen or that character would, would go through. Because nothing in life happens, you know, where everything is designed or you move to this and that too many times in uh, writing and in, even in films where you just see only everything that's meant to unfold the story, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I get, and I guess that plays into like world building um, in a way. But no, I agree. Um, oh, God damn. And that's why it's so great because the very final scene of the movie ties back in um it's not like it's a pretty negative ending i think uh because they switch they cut back to the family the mexican family that yeah. we were with throughout the movie and there, there's that happy moment kind of of like the kid playing on a team playing they're playing yeah. soccer and then all of a sudden 
Yeah. They just start hearing. They're playing soccer and they hear pop, 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 yep. like in the background and, they, and it, everybody stops, freezes for a moment and they look to make sure like there's not, they're not coming closer. There's not going to be an explosion. And that's what, you know, but again, exposing, but it's like yeah. you said, yeah. exposing the world to yeah. this is what the, these people have to have to deal with. And mm-hmm. with. I thought you were going to say when he brought her up. To, to say, hey, look at this, mm-hmm. and see what was happening after they got the cartel dude, that um, at the very end of the film, when she's with uh, Benicio, and he's walking away, that's another moment where she's up above. He does a, uh, Dennis does a lot of that, where he made these decisions. I'm going to have them, like, in a birdhouse, or, um, you know, they sometimes they call it a god shot. But you're, the character's up and looking down, mm-hmm. and so she was looking down at this, and she had to make that decision, like, what, you know, what is what is she going to do? Yeah. So, um, I think that we should definitely talk about the tunnel, um, and and kind of tell the audience what happens. Um, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So, so my favorite scenes are when they're on the border, you know, when they're trying to get the guy back yeah. across, and yeah. then the, the shooting, and then. Another time where they know there's a tunnel, so they're going in the tunnel. We already talked about how they, they put on the night vision, and then that's how the audience gets to see it. But she sees that James Brolin tells the FBI agents that are part of this team, we're going to make a lot of noise, and you know if people are shooting at us, we're going to kill them. We're going to shoot back. Um, and then that cartel is going to know that something's up or that somebody – told on this on this tunnel what they don't tell her is that benicio del toro who is still this mystery guy in the cia just just who what part of the cia is he they go through the tunnel she fades back um everybody goes to the left and that's where they're making all the noise and shooting and there's firefight they're like they kill people um it's it's super action film she sees that Benicio del Toro goes right into a different tunnel. And so she follows him through. And this is one of the most, like, the highlights of the film. and also separates where she realizes something more is going on than just, uh, it is part of stirring up trouble. It actually is. But it's a different way. And he goes through, and it's the cop of the Mexican family that we've been juxtaposed to at different points. And they're filling up his car. Um, drugs, cocaine. Co- yep, yep. With the, with the drugs and uh, Benicio's like taking him captive. And she comes through and is like, Oh, this isn't part of the operation. That's illegal. You can't do that. And I fucking love that scene. Although I'm still like, I still kind of question, but it's so cool that, that like, I could still see as an FBI agent, you're like, wait a second, this wasn't part of what we said the operation. But clearly she sees drugs and then she's got this guy. So that was another thing where I also was like, come on. Um, and his reaction is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Should we tell the audience what, what happened there? I don't know. I don't um, know. He basically yeah. puts her down. We're not going to say how. You watch it. He puts her down and says, don't ever fucking point a gun at me. And basically says, I don't give a fuck who you are, FBI, whatever. 
I'm, I'm doing my own operation. <laughs> and then that starts a whole nother sequence of, of what's going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she comes out the other side. And she and the other FBI, once again, they get their asses beat, which I love. Yeah. So it's the FBI versus the CIA and the special ops dudes. And they basically, they know who's back they got. They got the CIA. They fucking put him on the ground. She, like, tries to hit him. And they, immediately all their guns are on the other dudes. And they're like, just stay there. Stay still. Stay still. Just stay still. Like, you know, we're not going to kill anybody, but you're not going to win this. Um, and that was a cool twist that we we – did spoil but it's not we didn't spoil to the degree that it could be because then what happens in the film is well we get we finally get a backstory to uh benicio's character right after right which i don't want to say what the backstory yeah i'm not gonna say what it is okay cool which um, is involved with we we can say that he had there was an intersection with him and the cartel yes and so he's going to set up a score in no uncertain terms, which we won't tell you, which is fucking amazing. It's funny that we have this show, but we're so cool that we're not going to spoil stuff, right? And it's yeah. one of the best scenes in the in the film, without a doubt. What what where that proceeds, but but we we're we're engaging in this, and again, film dicks is to pull apart and dissect. And investigate, you know, how well is the story being done? What's what's what what's being properly done cinematically, acting, um, and story wise? Which Ray and I both, you know, we have experience in this. We do it, you know. We're not just reviewing films or uh, critiquing it. Uh, we're bringing our experiences along yeah. with it. Um, but we're also we're not going to spoil things that that should not be spoiled. No. But no. it's. Uh, so going through, we've discussed the acting. Did you, did you have any issues with any of the acting? No. It's fucking Not 10 really. out of 10. It's like <laughs> it 11 really out of 10. Yeah. Cinematography, incredible. So yeah. I mentioned, one of the things I mentioned was they do these uh, shots from above, point down. It, some You could say aerial shots, but they're not full aerial shots. They're also point of view of character. But they also mix aerial shots where they clearly have drones showing a section of film. This is one of my favorite things that is kind of new to film since drones. And that is using landscape and heights to, um, in one sense, increase the tension, but also give you sense of place, attention, etc. And I love, I'm, I'm not over this stuff. I don't think it's being overused. I have seen like one show that overused it. Um, Ozark does a great job of using aerial shots where the drone is slowly moving um, and it, sh- it shows you place. Like they, they're showing the Ozark and, and the water that's going through, et cetera. But here they're showing Mexico. They're showing all the houses and the, and the kind of slums that people live in. Um, and you, you, along with that aerial shot, the score, the sound of this film, which we didn't talk about, is also mm-hmm. impeccable. Did you do any research on that, or do you know where you're going with it? To be honest, I don't remember that well. One of my fucking favorite. Again, you said Dune. Um, um, Dennis, this dude, is top-notch when it comes to score, but he teamed up with Johan Johansson. And Johan Johansson... You mean uh, Johan? Johan Johansson. Yeah, I'm not going to say <laughs> You right. Americans. I know, I'm terrible. Um, but... 
he's a Icelandic composer. He's dead now, which sucks. Oh. But he was involved in like he his it's such a unique sound. He uses mechanical. Um, what, how do I want to say this? It's hard to describe. It's uh, mechanical and also almost like spaceship sounds. Um, not in in the in the Sicario, but he uses this. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Ominous, uh, mechanical kind of sound, and um, compo- composing with that to bring on a sense of oh, danger or um, just doom coming. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a, a Blade Runner. He didn't get the. He was for sure. If you look at his films that that he worked on, um, I forget the other one that that he did. This is terrible. Um, but if you look at his series of films and the way he introduced sound and that mechanical, the ominous mechanical or spaceship sound, you know that what happened in, and he was part of um, Blade Runner uh, 2049, but uh, he they parted ways during that. And uh, there's some mention of, I, I think, drug use. He died uh, some sometime after that, but that's mm-hmm. where they parted. But they've done so many films together. And... I feel like he should get like half or most of the credit for what was done in Blade Runner. But that that ominous mechanical sound, um, along with these aerial shots, were just so well done and give you place and tension, etc. Mm-hmm. Did you remember the the dream shots going through? Yeah, no, 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 gotcha. No, I liked it all. I liked it all. All right, all right. Well, what was your uh, Something, anything you need to bring up that we haven't? I don't know. I feel like we've done a pretty good job today. Um, touching upon the important important parts of the the movie without giving away too much. I'm gonna tell everyone what you did. Yeah, man. Um, you didn't ask me about the shirt. Boy, Blaze, look at that interesting shirt. What's with that shirt? One of the best documentaries ever made. Save the West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm. Um, about three boys in um, Arkansas mm-hmm. uh, accused of killing another person. We're on death row. I'm not going to tell you if they're still on death row. Do your research if you don't know it. But during that, they sold these t-shirts um, because many people thought these boys were falsely accused. Uh and it, it's an incredible. It's one of my favorite documentaries. Check it out. Interesting. Yeah. I don't. You got anything I else? I got nothing, man. Except yeah. hunger for these M Ms. We're gonna drink some M Ms and some trout. Oh, we didn't say fucking Sicario. What does Sicario mean? Oh. <laughs> you didn't even tell him. <laughs> well, you can you can look it up and know about. I mean, it gives you at the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, gosh. But basically, in. Uh, Wait, was it Spanish or Latin or both? Uh, it means hitman. It is both. There's the two different. It, gives it means hitman and it also means like assassin. Ghost, assassin. Assassin. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Good shit. Sicario. It's sick. We're the film dicks. Ugh, that was such a boomer moment. <laughs> We're done. But in the end, you will understand.